Hi, this is Max Brooks, the writer of World War Z and the upcoming book Devolution, and you are listening to Without Your Head. Station of Decapitation Without Your Head. I am Nasty Neil, and I'm joined by Robert and Mariella Perez. It's very cool to have you both here. Hello, hello. Yes, two of my favorite people. Aw, you're one of our favorite people. It was awesome <laughs> to meet you guys in person. It, it just, it just, it's so weird. Uh, I think back on that, and uh, when we finally all got to meet, uh, that was like right before the pandemic went out of control here. And um, when we were in the hotel at the Aloft, uh, we were getting updates on a regular basis, which was um, uh, kind of crazy and surreal all the time. It seemed like something far away. Uh, we even had one of our guests that uh, his home uh, – his hometown was Wuhan, China, and um, we were getting. Uh, he would pose the questions to us, such as, "Has the United States ever shut down an entire city?" Mm-hmm. And we just all looked at him, going, "Like, yeah, that's, no, that's science ha- fiction. Yeah. <laughs> it's never going to uh, happen here." Next thing you know, we have everything happening, and the nation is closing down in various different ways, and. Uh, it was just so weird that, you know, here we are all celebrating together. And then you guys were all filming a movie. Uh, yeah, just like a two weeks after that. Yeah. And then it was literally like the week after when everything started to shut down. Yeah, it, it is so weird. Uh, and now we're all kind of in this uh, 
uh, you know, for us, as it, you know, when it comes to the film festivals, you know, we're wondering, you know, is this some the new norm? You know, the virtual yeah. uh, festivals I and mean, the the drive-ins are, are kind of popping up or springing up wherever they can. Um, and, and you had a, 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 a severed limbs. Uh, yeah, festival, was, and that was yeah, that was went, great. Yeah, when we uh, it was a bigger turn than I expected. It was a really good time and. Uh, what I liked about it is what I like about the festivals is uh, it's cool to watch movies at home, but you don't have the interaction with everybody. And so, you know, at least, you know, this way we can watch with other, you know, people into, into weird movies and you can interact with them. So uh, it's definitely cooler to be in person, but, uh, you know, we, could, we can't currently. So it was uh, the next best thing, I think. I thought it was really cool being able to interact with each other, um, like live, as we're watching. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to be quiet. But it was just really neat to do it while... Uh... You're cutting up on us, unfortunately, Mariela. Uh, no, there you go. But I, I, I think we got the gist of it. But yeah, it was it was fun to, to watch with, with everybody, uh, definitely. And it was really cool because afterwards, um, you probably have the same experience as... Um, both the people that were just watching the movies and uh, the filmmakers were all like really happy because uh, they got this people who made stuff. It was seen by people who might not get to see it otherwise. And, and everyone who was just viewing stuff. Uh, well, a lot of the filmmakers were viewers too, but you know, they got to see a lot of cool stuff that they might not have uh, seen without, you know, the, the film festival. Um, I, I, I've been listening to various, uh, things online and, and podcasts and, you know, I was hearing the, the, the clickbait Q and A that you were having and, um, you know, some people can't make a screening or a Q and A or a, you know, whatever, you know, and they, you know, everybody wants to participate in these things and what ends up happening, um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like one of these things like uh, hopefully these aren't missed opportunities. <laughs> I mean, for a while it, it, it will be, you know, one of these things, but uh, I think that's what I, to me, it's this added emphasis and I know everybody can't make all the screenings, but to me, it's always been this thing that when you have the opportunity, of course, they become special moments when we're all able to gather and watch in person as a group, because I think it was Josh um, uh, from Flesh Studios that was, he was actually saying that it's a different experience. You know, he's seen the film or his films online, but there's just something about the energy of the crowd, uh, the audience and that interaction. And, you know, it's just a different feeling. Um, I miss it. I, I really. That's uh, honestly the main thing I miss yeah. is go is uh, the film festivals and even just going to the movies. Uh, I don't think there's ever a better way to watch a movie than on the big screen. Yeah, with you you, po you pose the question, and I remember when you went out to see King Kong, and I, I was I was jealous because I don't think they were I don't believe they were offering that here in Corpus, but um, it it's it caught me there for a minute. Like, wait a minute, what was the last film I actually yeah. saw in the movie? It's weird because I would I went every week, uh, sometimes more than once a week to the movies. So it was like a regular occurrence for me. And uh, then to think back, like, wow, that that might be the last one I see for the foreseeable future in, in a movie theater. It's a really strange thing to think about. 
Yeah, I think I I shared a link with my wife. One movie theater, I believe, in the area has actually uh, attempted to open, and they're showing 1917, The Wretched, um, uh, Trolls, and and something else. And I, I was uh, for a minute there, I paused, and I'm like. I think I want to see the wretched. <laughs> I mean, yeah. but I don't know. I don't, I just don't, you know, maybe it's not the right time, but it was, you know, it almost felt like maybe there's a way to get back into the loop a little bit, but I, I don't know. It's still a little, risky, you know? Yeah. I it's a, yeah. It's, it's a weird thing. Cause I do think it's, it's like, uh, so when things do start to open, there's going to be people who don't, who aren't going to want to go to things right away or maybe not for a long time. But then there's also a lot of people, I mean, I, I'm kind of the both fence there. It's like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to go, but then like, I really want to go to the movies too. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. I think either it'll be people stay away or there's going to be like a whole bunch of people really been wanting to do this or all, so they're all going to go and maybe they'll kind of even each other out. So it'll be kind of the, the normal crowd. I don't know how it'll go though. Yeah. I mean, um, I, the lead that obviously we're, you know, that we're following is the mode that Alamo Draft House is obviously, and they haven't even really mentioned when they're going to open things up. I mean, they were one of the first um, theaters to shut down. They just said, yeah. you know, we're just across across the nation. We're just going to go ahead and shut it down for the safety and, and all that. But um, I know that they had, uh, they're doing their online service kind of like a, you know, a lot of virtual kind of thing, but uh, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if it's a long haul kind of thing. Uh, yeah, everybody in their businesses has, you know, whatever they're going to do. And um, I know that there's a lot of film festivals in Texas, not just, you know, what, what we do, but uh, that's that big draw in Texas. A lot of Austin festivals in San Antonio, uh, you know, they like to connect that way. Fantastic Fest, you know, that was another, that's that's another one that I, I think a lot, I think they already, they officially said they're going virtual, I believe, right? If I'm not so, mistaken. Yeah. yeah. See, and that's a that's a huge one that, that's uh, done through them, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so if people don't know, South Texas Underground Film Festival is your guys' festival stuff, which I the, the shirt right here, which I wear all the time, not just for this interview, but I had to wear it for this interview. I wear it all the time. I, I, love, uh, I always love all your guys' designs, and I was so happy to, uh, to get there in person because it, it was a great time. And a big thing that for me, what I do the podcast and everything too is, is for like the community. And uh, that's what I really loved about stuff was there was a group of people that seemed to, to always be there and some people that come – you know, now and then, and but uh, you know, everyone connects because they all have the same love for for underground, weird, cool movies. Um, I really think. There. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, to this day, I mean, we've we've done uh, eight film festivals, and we've sold shirts, you know, in and in and around of all kinds that it it still means a lot when I see, you know, somebody, you know, either in a podcast or a photo or doing an interview somewhere. And I look at their shirt and I'm like, wow, they're wearing a stuff for shirt or stuff, whatever. And you know, it's, it, it means a lot uh, because it's, um, you know, 
I mean, we sur- we're surrounded by it, you know, it's on our Facebook and this, that, and the other. And, yeah. but it's like, it, you know, to, to the, I mean, it, it, it still means a lot and it catches me off guard when I, when I see a, uh, somebody from the festival uh, in LA doing an inter- interview and, and I look at the shirt and it just pokes through on the camera and I'm like, <laughs> wow, that's, that's awesome. They're one, they're one of the older shirts or, or whatever it is. And, and it's a, a talking point as well. Cause people definitely see yeah, it and ask, start asking yeah. questions. My brother did. He was like, that shirt's awesome. Cause he loved, you know, the moon. And, and then I was like, Oh yeah, it's from stuff. And uh, he's like, yep. so he has to get one. And some. yeah, my wife, uh, Mariela is the one she's the, she, she came up with, you know, we were doing these film challenges where we were trying to bring film history and, you know, we would try to educate a lot of uh, our, our friends and stuff like that about the different movements and stuff. And it was something that I guess stuck with my wife and uh, she wanted to incorporate that iconic uh, image, but with the camera lens, uh, instead of the missile or the rocket into the moon, it's just, uh, Mariella, can, uh, can you hear us still? Can you hear me? Yeah, very low though. Very low. Yeah. Is it very low? Do I need to go up closer? Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah, we can't quite hear you, unfortunately. Yeah, you're getting interference from. I, it's that what I told you. I think it is. Air conditioning. Uh, yeah. It's off right now. Okay. Now I can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I also want to mention a uh, Kornstein, 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 however you want to say it. But uh, it was re- really fun. We had like uh, 17 people on the other week, which was a crazy, uh, a crazy experience. Try to get everyone, but I think it worked. And uh, that was just really fun to watch. You could tell everyone had a good time, you know, making it, which came through in, in the uh, in the finished product. So, uh, so how did you guys get involved? People don't know you guys do uh, the animation, I believe, at the end. Yeah. Well, Hondo did the animation. Um, what happened, we got involved with, um, they were going to be doing this project with some other filmmakers. Great. Can you all hear me? No, you cut, yeah, you cut in and out. Yeah, we hear you fine for a second, and then your audio cuts out. Okay. How's that? It's good at the moment. Okay, so um, I saw that Brian Lanano had posted on his Facebook that they were doing this project with other filmmakers to create something since we haven't done it about six years, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, no, wait. you're you're cutting out again. I'm sorry. Sorry. Oh, it's not your fault. <laughs> I'm going to go it's back the technology. to the technology. <laughs> the, um, they had been a long, um, Brian had been a long time, um, um, filmmaker, uh, that had been a, um, he, he, he sent us some films, um, for the very first uh, horror film challenge. And, um, it was um, uh, Mariella reaching out and then reaching out back to us. 
And uh, we had about maybe two or three films from uh, Brian and Kevin. And uh, that was our introduction to them, Robot, the Robot Hand uh, Company. Uh, and uh, we introduced their short films to, to our audience here in Corpus Christi. And it immediately was uh, impactful. Everybody fell in love with the style of films that they were making. And we had always been in touch. Every, every year, we were always receiving a film. And, and, and you know, uh, we're always following Brian's uh, uh, work. And, uh, you know, we, we don't like to push a lot of our production that, hey, we do this, that, and the other. And, um, but, you know, some people knew that we, you know, we did films and, and, and stuff like that. Um, but it, it, this opportunity uh, came around where, you know, I mean, we're all on quarantine. Uh, you know, what are we doing? And we, we definitely wanted to, to work with our son. I, I, I thought this would be a good coming out for him. Uh, he does a lot of animation and we thought that this would be a good opportunity for us to introduce, you know, you know, everybody to his work. Uh, if you've come to the festival, you were able to see his little teaser at the beginning of the uh, festival. You would see, you know, we'd have trailers, but then we would have his little bumper uh, that he created for us. And, um, but I mean, he's so talented. Uh, we, we really wanted to work with him. Um, so we, we came up with a story, uh, components of, you know, Frankenstein, uh, the, the Frankenstein monster being in quarantine and then all the different things. So we came up with some, you know, different, uh, moments that he would interact with the, the COVID virus and, you know, kind of like the, the, the villagers following him with the flames, the COVID virus is basically running after him and sending him home. And then eventually, you know, they track him down. And the guys, uh, Brian and Kevin, found a unique way of incorporating that into the uh, credits along with the song that it fit really well. And I, I think uh, the mix of our footage and then uh, the other footage that was in there, I think it, 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 it went real well for the entire project of what it was. And so uh, just to be part of it, I think, was a, an amazing thing. Uh, by the way, you, you're, when you were able to facilitate all those guests, is that the most guests you've ever had on yeah, one? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It was, I, it, I yeah, applaud yeah. you for being able to do that. That that is a, a milestone moment for you, <laughs> uh -huh. and uh, being able to handle that, and I, it was great to be able to to feature all these guys in some shape or form. And I, I thank you personally for being able to do that. Well, you're welcome. Awesome. Yeah, it was you know, it was it was very cool. And I've had Brian on before from for a couple other uh, projects and. I always like all this stuff. It's really weird and, and fun and, and I always dig it. So I, I just assume, and I knew this before I even saw it, I was Fra It's Frankenstein, which I, I'm a big fan of, which I have a lot of Frankenstein oh, yeah. stuff here. Uh, and so I was like, Oh, this is probably gonna be something I dig. And then, and then when I heard how it was made, like, uh, how everyone, I never, I had never heard of the exquisite. I've heard of exquisite course. So I actually had no idea what it actually meant. So the idea that one person makes a bit, then the other person makes another bit and then they put it together. 
which uh, that made it even cooler, you know, uh, knowing the process of how it was done. And it was cool because everyone had a little different style, and uh, which uh, you might think maybe that that is a possibility of not working if everyone has a different style. But uh, but it really flowed well together. No, I I I, I thought um, I thought it all meshed very well. Um, it it was able to feature a lot of our styles and. Um, uh, it really kept everybody on their toes. I was, I, I enjoyed listening to their processes and, uh, their approach to their episodes. And I thought, you know, uh, it, it, I don't know. I just, I'm just stoked about how it all came out. There's still all this rumblings of what's going to happen with the film. And I'm so, uh, excited, uh, that I can't wait for these to be announced uh, what's going to happen. So Brian, uh, definitely Brian and Kevin definitely have a lot of announcements and stuff. So, um, we're just, we're just so glad to be part of it and, uh, be part of the ride for sure. He's just, he's, can you hear me? Can you yep. hear me? It's real low. Yeah. Hello? Can y'all hear me now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just really, there's a lot of filmmakers that we've always wanted to work with and he's one of them and it just, I don't know. Um, I just think it's just really cool that we were able to be a part of the project. Yeah, and it's cool because, uh, you know, you guys were filmmakers uh, before running the festival. And uh, I know you haven't necessarily done a lot of uh, filmmaking in the last uh, in the last little while because life and the festival and everything. So uh, that must have been cool, you know, to, to be involved in a, in a project. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then Hondo had a really good time. Um, yeah, I, I loved his, you know, uh, he meant, uh, Robert mentioned the, uh, the little bumper at, at stuff. And uh, I thought it was, I always thought it was awesome. So it was cool to see, uh, you know, him be part of it. Yeah, he enjoyed it. He was, I mean, he, he was really neat. Um, and to see him, like, just do something that he really loves to do and then to be a part of a bigger group. Uh-oh. We lost you again. It was working fine there for a moment. Sorry. It's not your fault. We just blame technology. But yeah, for uh, and for people who don't know, you can watch the whole um, quarantine. It's on YouTube and Vimeo, which I watched with some of my friends the other day, and uh, they all really liked it. Annabelle uh, really dug it. We did a little group watch with everybody, and and uh, like I said, it's on YouTube, so you know you can just go watch it. It's not uh, you don't have to yeah. pay for it or anything. It, it, while it's while it's still on, I would recommend people even more so go try to watch it now because I, if I'm not mistaken, the time they might remove it because of certain announcements they're going to make. Uh, okay. We're we're not at liberty to to say what those are, but if it's still available, go watch it before it's it's uh, put on private or whatever they plan on doing. Uh, this is uh, this is your final warning. Brian it's, says hello and sends a a heart emoji. Oh yes, heart hearts go out to to everybody out there. Most definitely. Yeah. Um. Uh. We we still need to figure out a way to 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 get uh, Brian uh, to to Corpus Christi. Um. Yeah. We you know we needed. Well, all there were so many rumblings during the festival of what we wanted to do for the next festival or the 10th festival or whatever festival it is, mm-hmm. whatever festival that's coming up is going to be a big celebration <laughs> for sure. But, um, 
we've we've always wanted to do some kind of a retrospect, uh, like revisiting our first ever event, which was the horror film challenge. And um, he he's definitely been uh, uh, a big part of our family for sure. Uh, and it, it, you know, a lot of people that uh, we we still have uh, fans from that first uh, screening that that come every year to the festival. Um, I'll try to share this. Uh, I'll, I'll share it later with you, Neil. I'll, I'll share it online. But uh, one guy had been collecting memorabilia and badges and all that stuff, and he made this amazing uh, piece of like wall art and. Um, you know, and he had been there since the very first film screening we've ever had. And it, to me, that that was awesome to see that, uh, you know, somebody else has, you know, all this, you know, stuff uh, associated to the uh, festival. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it obviously it means a lot that we're doing this. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Brian says, I would love that in my li- in my 10 years of knowing you, I still have yet to meet you both. <laughs> Well, it, well, this this was a, a great honor for us to be able to contribute something that was, um, you know, I know it was a big collaborative effort, but um, it definitely meant a lot to me and Mariela and, and my son that we were able to be part of uh, Ornstein. And, um, it, it, you know, it's just awesome. It's just awesome. Yeah, so uh, I know – there's no like a I, you have a date for the next uh, film festival. I know it. Who knows if what's going to happen? But it, when is it scheduled? It's in January, I think. Late January, uh, crossing in. I think it's late January, crossing into February, uh, just because of you know what it was. I mean, we we had wanted to do August, you know, just to kind of catch up on numbers, but it was fitting that we saved the other date. Um, so it would match up with the annual cycle. Yeah. Um, I mean, we still don't know what's going to happen. Uh, a lot of, I remember all the rumblings, you know, three months ago that, Oh yeah, before summer, we'll be able to keep all these May and June dates. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, a lot of festivals are, are going to have to start, you know, a lot of them are pulling the trigger and they're, they're going virtual. I mean, that's what it seems like. Um, and I've seen that debate rise up as far as, you know, with some filmmakers um, because, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I feel for them, I, I, you know, because, I mean, you work on this, these projects and, you know, you look for this, you know, these responses and, you know, one filmmaker, you know, sent me, sent me a message saying that he was saving a budget for all these festivals that he wanted to attend. And, one by one, each one keeps getting either canceled or turning virtual. He doesn't know if to put that into a whole other project and just, you know, I don't know what he wants to do with this film, but yeah. you know, it's about to come out. He doesn't know if just to hold on to it. And, you know, it's, it's a weird dilemma that the filmmaker, I mean, us as film festivals have a, have a different thing that we're dealing with, but, but I can imagine that, you know, you've, you, um, you've crowdsourced, they've been with you, you know, and, and you've got all this, uh, uh, expectation of what the way you want to see your film. And I mean, who knows what happens with distribution? Does that affect your yeah. overall product yeah. that you release? So like, like I said, that's a whole other thing that, um, 
you know, even the, the movie industry has decided to pull all their, you know, we're not seeing Wonder Woman. We're not seeing all these other films that I know that uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah. I mean, I, that's the one that I really wanted to see. Yeah. And we got to wait a whole other year yeah. to, to see the Ghostbusters. Right. And, and then you wonder, well, like, what about the movies that were supposed to come out next year? Do they get pushed back to the next year? Or is there going to be like just like a hundred movies that come out, you know, the next summer is just going to be, you know, insane. I don't know. But yeah. But yeah, even yeah. when, you know, when we did ours, uh, the severed limbs one, you know, I, I made sure to let everyone know, I don't want to get anyone in trouble with their district, you know, if they had distribution plan, because I know going virtual, uh, especially ours was free and stuff. It could, you know, uh, it could uh, hinder them from getting distribution or even with other film festivals. Yeah, but so, I but you know, it's up to them to, to figure all that out. But I want to, you know, I just didn't want to get anyone in trouble with whoever they're working with. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. So what I was saying is that I think what you're doing is fantastic. Art really is for the people and you having it online and having it available for free for people to see your You lost it again, sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's just... Nope. Boycott. Yeah, it just it only goes on for, for like a, a few seconds and goes off. I'm sorry. Okay, Rob, go ahead and talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, 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 I'm mesmerized by that because it was working fine. I don't know if there's uh there's I don't know if there's something closing it up on your end. But um uh I don't know. This is a this is a this is a debate that other film festivals have and then they have to make that choice. Um we've been gauging a lot of what the the region and the state and then we look abroad and we see what other festivals are doing and I think everybody has different dilemmas that they have to face when they're put into that. For us, I mean, obviously, you know, let's just say we, we stuck with the date, but we don't have a venue. You know, Alamo Drafthouse is not opening up. We don't know what's going to happen with that. Well, then obviously we're going to have to make that decision. Do you either go virtual or you cancel um, there are other festivals that have uh, sponsorship uh, obligations that, you know, some other festivals don't have. Everybody, like I said, everybody has something that they have to address. Does that affect, um, you know, their sponsors? You know, the sponsor is going to say, hey, well, I gave you these funds for X amount of time. Yeah. You know, what are you going to double up and then you're going to have these other more funds or are you just going to use those same funds and so it it becomes a big mess you know um and even people who uh you know um pay so much amount of money to have their film you know at a festival uh originally they did that thinking you know it's in a theater with people and how do they right. feel about it being i know it's you know no one can really do anything about it but still it's uh, not exactly what you know they originally put their money up for so i'd assume it's a big mess for everybody yeah, both the filmmakers so, and the people putting together the festivals. I, I know I enjoyed the films that were available on the South by Southwest Prime uh, thing, but I know that a majority of those—I mean, there were what a handful of films that were features, or maybe about eight 
features, but then the, you know, most of them were, were short films. Um, a lot of the features decided not to participate in that. And so, I don't know. I mean, it, it raises a lot of questions that, uh, you know, I sometimes, I, you know, like I said, everybody, everybody has something a little bit, um, they have to, I guess, account for, for something and to make that decision and stuff like that. The big, the big guys, I, I, I know early on, one of the big, big questions was, and, I, and we haven't even approached it, was what is the Cannes Film Festival going to do and what is the Venice Festival and all these other, you know, big uh, buying festivals. That's where everybody buys those films that eventually will, you know, trickle out throughout the year. So what happens then when all the movies from this past year have been put on hold, you know, they've been kind of slipping, you know, some of these smaller films and stuff like that. But, you know, you're going to have this glut, like you were saying, what are you going to just release a hundred plus more films the following year? Yeah. Uh, it's going to get kind of weird. Uh, the, the way things are looking. Yes, yeah, it's, it's uh, bizarre. So uh, the, the I would want to talk to you about the. Um, I have to look up the name because uh, you can pronounce it better than me. Your your short document uh, the the short. Doc- I know it's a feature documentary too, but uh, the short documentary that we played. Yeah, Elindo de Cthulhu. Yeah, yeah. which was amazing. Everyone and uh, really, people wrote in saying that it was. To, to add like a special award for because uh, everyone like it because it didn't necessarily fit in the awards we had and that, i didn't want to put a documentary award since there was really one documentary my uh my wife missed that part of the uh of okay. the, she was watching the yeah. awards and when you got to that part you know she missed that part but when when i picked her up later that evening from work she was like so what ended up happening i'm like you didn't know i go we were, I was surprised uh, and very thrilled then that we were honored uh, that they, that they made a, a category for us. And I, I thought that was, um, it meant a lot. Um, that, that was a, that was a project that it, it was almost like it was, it, it, it really didn't have a place to go. Um, and it's just kind of, it was there and What I think the push was that my wife really thought, um, you know what, let's, let's see what this audience thinks. And I thought this was the best thing. Um, I mean, we could show it to different friends, but you know, Hey, they're your friends, you know, you're going to get different reactions and stuff to me to get responses from the West coast and the East coast and, you know, central, you know, the United States, Midwest and all that kind of stuff. It just, to me, we were getting a different feedback that we had never received before. We didn't know how it would be received at yeah, all. That's a good point because that, you know, you might think that uh, it might only uh, appeal to people from that area. Correct. And uh, I mean, the response on the, on the two screens that, that you had was very favorable. And uh, you know, there, there were some that even reached out afterwards and wanted to find out more information and, and explore a little bit more of the story itself and all that. So um, uh, I, I, I really would like money. Uh, my wife's, uh, is your microphone working or <laughs> no, no, unfortunately. Yeah. I don't know if it's the setup on the thing. You can probably check on the bottom. If you check on the bottom, it should be like, 
microphone setups down there, Mario. You can check it. Maybe the volume. I don't know. But um, that was a, a project that was um, it, it was it was one of these things that when we were um, uh, when it was being put together, I was working at a, a production company, uh, industrial production company, and this question of this curandero, you know, from Catula was brought up. And I had never been to a curandero or a, you know, a healer of nature. So when um, they said, okay, you know what, we're going to, it was early in the morning and they said, you know what, we're going to take you to Catula right now. And I'm like, how far away is that? What, I mean, what are you doing? They go, you know what? We're just going to go there. And we did the whole process like a person that was going to go actually see him. There was no uh, preemptive calls. We didn't tell him that we were coming. And I said, if we're going to do this, I want to go through the steps of us, like actually visiting, you know, El Indio. I, you know, if you're going to take me to this, let's go. So, um we went, you know, it's about, you know, an hour and a half drive. We get there. There are line, this big, humongous line of people. We had to grab a number to see him. And they said, based on this number, it's probably going to take a good two hours to see this guy. And um, I was just taking all the activity that was happening there. Lots of people of different backgrounds were there. It wasn't just, you know, Hispanic people, or old, young, white people, you know, uh, people of just, it was just a, a, an eclectic a, a group of people waiting to see him. And uh, when we finally got to the, to see him, he recognized the people that I went with. He didn't know who I was, but he was like, why didn't you tell, you know, at the time, his wife? He goes, why didn't you tell my wife? You know, we could have uh, Zoomed you ahead to the front of the line. And they were like, no, 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 no. And the whole time I kept quiet. He was speaking Spanish the whole time. He doesn't speak English. He, he just speaks in Spanish. I, I, I understand what he was saying. So I just sat there, and I was really quiet, and he kept talking to one person on this side, and then he would talk to the other person. After a while, he would talk, he would face this person and look, and then he would just stop and stare at me for a little bit. Then he would keep staring and then start talking with the next person. And then he just said, wait a minute. Do you all mind? I want to talk to him. He's in, there's something that is calling me. He has questions. And I want to answer those questions. And I was like, kind of like, uh-oh, what's going on here? Yeah. And then he asked my permission and he said, do I have permission to go ahead and ask these questions? Because what's going to happen is that when I get into this, like, uh, I don't know, you want to call it a, I don't want to say a trance, but when he gets into that, where he's going to read your cards or whatever, he's going to just start saying whatever comes out. And do I have any problem with these guys being in the room? And I said, no, no, I, I, don't, I don't even know them. I just started working that week. So even this guy, there was no way he knew anything about me. Nobody knew anything about me. So then he grabs his deck of cards, and then he just starts flipping these cards over. 
in three rows. So you have one row, two rows, and three rows. He goes, this is your past, this is your present, and this is your future. Card after card, this guy is reading me like all the instructions and all my history are written on me. And that just totally threw me for a loop. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And I'm like, there's no way that these guys that I came with know anything about me. But this guy is reading me like I'm a book. And it just freaked me out. And um, um, I, I ended up having uh, – I, I, I had to gather all my senses and all this because the first thing I thought of was, like, I want to document – what is going on here? Um, it, it affected me that much that uh, I, I, the fact that he doesn't charge anybody because there's all these shysters, you know, especially down here where I, you know, in Corpus, there's all these places that you go and they'll scare you. They'll say, Hey, you got a curse on you. You need to bring me $1,500 or else you're going to get sick or your family's going to die or you're going to die. And the, and the people do it, you know, they follow along and then they, you know, they string them along and they start making all kinds of money off them. Uh, El Indio didn't want any money. He said that uh, his gifts are from God and that he's there to help everybody. And um, that intrigued me and that he, you know, we started setting up interviews and then, you know, the, the story started, you know, taking place, uh, started with pre-interviews and, um, at one point, we decided, well, we're going to go hardcore into the actual filming process where we were going to document an actual week in his uh, in his life. And it just so happened to be Holy Week. And we all stayed. I, me, Mariela, the whole family, we went up there and we were in Catula for a week long um, with the family. Uh, you know, uh, all these crazy things that were happening. Uh you know, we're taking place and we were just there to document all this crazy stuff. Um, I, I just, you know, there were just moments in there. And I guess this being the short version of the film, the highlight of that one was the, um, the exorcism that, um, that came out on a day that we were just kind of chilling out. It was almost like we were just kind of wrapping, making notes of what we wanted to do. If we did come back, uh, and we scrambled around because we were wondering where, where he was, El Indio. And his wife said, I think somebody, he's talking to somebody. So we kind of, at the, at the beginning, we kind of secretively were filming from afar. And we got permission to get closer. Because anytime we were going to do this, we actually got permission from El Indio and the participant and all that. If they minded if we documented uh, the process. His processes are very uh, personal and a lot of the, the stuff that is spoke, spoken through these processes uh, can be quite personal in nature. And so we would get all kinds of permission before we would approach that. Uh, we were afar for the beginning part of that. We were given permission to get closer. So I think the only thing that we didn't uh, have an up close shot was when it was almost like an emergency thing. This guy was very tormented. He was going through all kinds of uh, uh, anguish and, and, and just pain and stuff like that. And um, we, we got in right when he started. Um, um, 
I guess, starting his initial reading of this individual. So that's what everybody saw. They got to see that part. So how, how long kind of is – do you have oh, the – do you have – I'm sorry. Do you have the finished uh, long version? And how long it's is in, it? It is in Spanish. It's about uh, 90 minutes long. It's a – it's – and even even at 90 minutes long, there was so much cut out of it. Um there were things that were just getting a little bit too deep and scary. Uh, when we, I, you know, cause when you're going into a project, you're thinking of all these different angles that you want to film. Uh, there was a, there was a segment, there were segments that, uh, that we were exploring a, 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 a tangent uh, storyline of uh, in regards to a person who has never been to the, very similar to myself and we wanted to track their progress as a, as a skeptic and then see their process, you know, as they visit uh, him. And when they come through that other side, what are their thoughts of that? That part, we, we took that out and we, we basically stuck to the story. And this is in the feature version of the different type of cleansings that Elindio will perform uh, for what occasion that they may stumble across. And then we wanted to show a little bit about his background, his, his uh, day-to-day life, because he'll only do these processes like, like twice a day. And then the rest of his week is filled up of working on a farm. Uh, he owns a store in town. So he does, he's always there, you know, the day-to-day operations of what's happening there. And then his normal family life of, of, that's a whole other story to begin with as, as well, because it's a, it's not just his kids. He's taking care of other people's kids and it's, it's just a, you know, it's a, it's a very dynamic uh, uh, character here that uh, there's so much to him. This was just, just this little piece of what, what he does. So the, the film basically explores, you know, um, how he started in this, um, what he does on a day-to-day operation and the different people that he'll meet. Um, yeah, I mean, I was uh, totally, you know, it, it opened a whole other side of uh, uh, this type of uh, culture uh, that, you know, I've only heard about this stuff in my culture, but it's not like that here where I live. I mean, that was a whole different other thing. Mm-hmm. Now, how long did you uh, film with him for? Um, well, the, the bulk of the, 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 the bulk of the film, uh, took a week. We went up on a, I think it was a Sunday. We went from Sunday to Saturday during Holy week. And then, uh, that was that Easter time. So that's where we did a lot of the, you know, all the cleansings and all that kind of stuff that we were going to do. We did pre-interviews like once or twice prior, but visiting him, I think it was like maybe what, six, six months. So at one time it was like summer and then winter or whatever. We kind of went through the seasons and then uh, we grabbed some extra B-roll with the narrator. We took him up there to visit El Lindio. So that way the narration made sense of, bringing him, we're looking for the curandero, 
and that became the book end of the film. The narrator, which was Jorge Reynoso, he appears in the film and narrates the film, where we go up to Cotula and he's looking for El Indio, and then we enter the story of El Indio telling us who he is, and then it ends with uh, the questions of, you know, who is El Indio, and his battle still goes on. Um, it's one of those things that uh, people to this day will still, I, I don't know how they find me. They find me online and I'll get these cryptic messages. I need El Indio. Can you tell me how to get to him? And I'm like, go to Cthulhu. Somebody will point you in the direction. I don't, I don't know how to get older. I had someone ask me after we, uh, it was uh, in Spanish. And uh, yeah, but yeah they're, they're asking how to, how to find him. Yeah, and yeah, he's he's one of those guys, you know. Yeah, now, did have you kept in touch with him at all since then? Um, I think, I think we there was one there was one time, and it was because of another project that was happening. Um, I have a, a a friend from college, um, and this is this is the amazing part is that he had a calling, I guess, you know, he, he got his bachelor's degree. I mean, so I know that, you know, he got that, but for some reason, um, uh, it, it called to him. I, I don't know what you want to call it. He saw parts of the film that we made. The next thing I know is that I'm, he's performing various rituals and stuff like that in his house in Austin. And I'm like, what's going on here? And, and so now he does blessings and all kinds of stuff as well. So something touched him in the film that, you know, opened up, I guess, this channel and stuff like that. But, I mean, if you were to say, hey, you know, do I know how to get in touch with him? Like right now, I don't even, yeah. I would have to, I would be doing the same thing as everybody else. I have to go rediscover where he's at again. He's always on the move. Um, his, uh, the, the little room where he was doing the rituals and stuff like that, it's always the target of uh, arson. Everybody's always burning his place up, and uh, he has to rebuild it somewhere else, and then he rebuilds it somewhere else. So the people that know where how to find him, they know where to get a hold of him. It's just – it's not like he advertises, hey, come to, you know, <laughs> come find me here. It's, yeah, yeah. So – um. Did, was he cool with you uh, filming or was that hard to, to get him to agree to do? You know, um, I don't think there was a moment where, well, I, I take that back. There were certain things. I mean, he was open for the most part. He was open to us filming around his family, him. Of course we would get permission beforehand when we would do the rituals there were some rituals that he did that were like sacred that uh, he said that if you film this, you cannot say anything. You guys can't talk, can't be a distraction. You can observe. There has to be one camera. You can't, you know, so there were, there were, we did it twice because one of the times that we did, we were overcome by the fumes and everything where, we all were falling down. I mean, we, we were getting uh, overwhelmed by what was happening. Uh, we had to leave the room. It was just, we couldn't figure out how he was able to stay in that room with the, uh, the fumes and all that kind of stuff. 
And then he, the, in the documentary, he explains, um, it's, it's when he does his final cleansing, after he has seen everybody that day, he has all that bad mojo, you know, from everybody that he's cleansed, that he does this final ritual at the end. Because if he, the way he said that to us, if he doesn't do this, he'll take that to his family and it could get onto his family. The bad luck can get to the family and it can hurt them. It could kill them. It could make them sick. It could do all these things. So he has to be real careful of that. So when he was talk, talking to us, he said, it's a very sacred uh, ritual. I'll let you film it. But you know, the first time we tried to film it, we all fell apart. We, we didn't know what we were doing. The second time, uh, we kind of braved through it. We didn't have uh, our, all our crew there. We just did a real thin skeleton crew just to capture it. Uh, and we were able to capture it the second time. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty tough, uh, you know, doing something like that. There, there were some um, – he was pretty open with whatever questions we had. There were some things that he would tell us to turn the camera off because of the nature of the um, – you know what it was there were there were instances that involved um uh i don't know i don't i don't know what the statute of limitations is from now until then but right, right. They, they were there were just some things that he would rather talk off camera like off the record just because it could be sensitive um because of i don't know i don't know if i'll go any more than that but uh, you know, we would question him about, Hey, where did that come from? Oh yeah. And he was real open to discuss that was found on this farm and it was a farming implement, but it was cursed. The family did not know how it got on their property, but he told the family search your land. There's something there that should not be there. And they brought this thing saying, we didn't even know what this thing was. And he goes, well, that's the mala suerte. That's the bad luck. Somebody put that on your property because they want you to get sick or whatever, or kill your cows or whatever. So, so he was collecting all these things like the Warrens have their weird room. Okay. That's what he was doing in his thing. So in every corner, there was something, you know, of, of that nature, some things we could talk about, some things he would talk about off camera, but he wasn't afraid to talk about. There was never anything like off limits. I mean, everything was fair game. Yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't want some stuff documented. I understand. Right, uh, right. Was that was that a weird feeling being in that room with all the different uh, objects? Um, I know that when I don't. Do you want to try your microphone again, Mario? Or do you want me to just go ahead? Yeah, yeah it's low. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Ah, uh, I went in. I was beginning to. I'm a, I. I uh, you hear me? Did it go out again? I hear you. You can hear. Um, I went in as the skeptic, and no, we lost you. We lost you. Oh. <laughs> she she went in as a skeptic, and um, this was the thing that when 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 we went in, we were going to film her interview, and. I wanted to get it from the start all the way in. I didn't want it to be like, okay, we're sitting down, whatever, you know, and bam. I wanted to get her walking in, 
and immediately seeing what I saw when I walked in. So when she walked in, we immediately saw this uh, pillar or whatever, like the, a post, but there was a nail and hanging on that nail was a pacifier with a very distinct uh, clip on it. Baby pacifiers, they'll attach a clip so they clip it to the clothes of the baby. Well, it was a Winnie the Pooh and the pacifier was this, well, what struck us odd where we were like, we were like walking up to this and we just stopped me and me and Mariela and we're like, holy shit. It was the exact same pacifier and clip that my daughter used to use when she was growing up. Wow. That's crazy. It was, it, yeah, very to the, to the, to the, 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 and it's not the, the general one that you get from the hospital. There's always this generic one. No, it was a very specific one. And that clip, that Winnie the Pooh clip, that just, it, it, it shook us to the core a little bit right off the spot. And then he stood up and he goes, in Spanish, he goes, stop. There will be things that you see in here that are very familiar to you. This room is always changing. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I didn't notice at the time I went. Uh -huh. And here it is. Now we're seeing some crazy shit on the, on the thing. And um, that basically opened the, 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 the thing. I mean, I was even thrown off. And I'm coming in here as a production guy. Uh, and now all of a sudden I'm thrown off my game because all of a sudden I'm throwing a curveball where now all of a sudden there's things that weren't there before. And now we're seeing things that are now present in this room. And very much in the same manner, I don't want to get too much into details of it, but in the same manner that I was being revealed all kinds of different things, we were getting, you know, certain information and stuff like that in this initial meeting. So it was a little offsetting in a way. You could say it was a little uncomfortable, uh, enlightening and disturbing all at the same time. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things, you know, if, if anybody was to go, to anything like this. So I'm not going to just say him, but be, you need to be prepared that anything could pretty much present itself. If you're open to, to that, maybe it's going to be more so than others or whatever mm -hmm. to the people. Some, yeah. Obviously there's a lot of skeptics and stuff that will, Oh, it's a coincidence. Oh, it's this, that, and the other. It, to me, it was way too coincidental on my case. Mm -hmm. And then when my wife was introduced in this manner, and, uh, and I started thinking maybe this wasn't the right thing <laughs> that maybe we should back up a little bit because right. yeah, it's going to get a little bit too intense. Yeah. Now how about your, Marielle's was uh, skeptical about it going in. How about yourself? Was it something, uh, you were skeptical well, I, about as well? Or? I was, I was 100% skeptical. I mean, I was, I wanted to be open to this. So that's why I just sat back there and I was like, okay, just let them talk. I'm just going to observe. And then he stops the whole thing and says, you know what? I want to talk to you. And I'm like, you want to talk to me? And I'm, I'm like smiling, looking around and they're like, that's up to you, Rob. He wants to talk to you now. And then that's when he pulls out the cards and he goes, do you mind if I read? Because usually it's like people seek him for a reading. Mm -hmm. I wasn't asking for a reading, but he says, I have to read your cards. And I'm like, what do you mean you have to read my cards? What, it, what is it? And 
that's when he proceeded to, you know, tell me my past. And he revealed some stuff there that just kind of, uh, I just couldn't stop talking about it when I went home, the things that, that he was revealing. Um, and then when he told me about where I was at in my, in my present, um, these guys started looking at me like, wait a minute, what's going on here? And then the possibility of the future, um, I don't know. I think to, to explore that, I mean, I think I might've broke through whatever that was. Cause he said there was something blocking a lot of stuff from happening. And that if, you know, we did a cleansing, maybe that'll open up and then I'll be able to truly achieve the different things that I wanted to achieve. Um, I mean, looking back on that, I mean, I could kind of say that it, that was a positive, that he was true, that it did open up something as far as uh, being being a creative, because it, it just depends on how you define it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like everybody interprets it a certain way. So if you interpret it a certain way, I think some of that has been achieved, what he was speculating that would happen. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It, like I said, it just depends on how you read things and, and all that kind of thing. I know that there's a lot of mysteries and stuff like that, that we went with questions with, with my wife and that, that's for, not even for discussion here, but, it, but regardless of what that was, we were able to find some answers later down the, down the line for my wife. So um, I don't know. Uh, he, he, he does what he does and it's uh, very unique uh, it's scary. Um, and it's very fascinating how all that kind of, uh, takes place though. I mean, yeah. if anybody's in Catula, Texas and they want to go check it out, I mean, I think you start asking around these small like shops and stuff. And I, I think they'll point you in the right direction on how to kind of get in contact with Miguel. I mean, I think you'll be able to find him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mario, you might be able to get, join us, uh, off your phone. It might work. I mean, it might be a smaller like camera, but if the audio works, that's fine. You know. Can I do the audio through my phone and do the camera? I I don't know much about it. I've only been using this about a week, so (laughs) I'm not very much help. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, this was we were kind of uh, we had never used Zoom before. We we started like making little tests, and initially they seemed to work. And then uh, I don't know. Yeah. I never even heard of zoom until about a month ago. And uh, I think the, whoever owns zoom must be doing very well because if the pandemic's good for anybody, it's good for uh, makers of uh, hand sanitizer and zoom, I think. Oh yeah. I, I think that, you know, um, people that weren't using zoom before or haven't even considered that, I mean, it's going to change the dynamic of, uh, of a lot of the way we do our business meetings. Uh, do we really even have to meet all at the same room? Um, it's safer. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's obviously it just depends. Yeah. Um, I, they even offered it with, um, uh, cause I had a doctor's appointment and, uh, I just rescheduled it, but cause it was just a checkup, but they want to do it through zoom. And I was like, I don't know what, the, what the purpose of that would even be. Like, how are you going to test what, my blood or, or yeah, what, 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 what am I plugging into? Do I plug my USB into my arm and <laughs> right. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't understand what the point of that was, but but it's interesting that they can offer. No, I, you got your mic off. It says, "Yeah, it's connecting." Sometimes it takes yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's yeah, it's connecting. 
Okay, can you all hear me? Yeah, oh, you got to turn the, the, turn this the, one on. I'll, uh, okay. I think you muted on the one, and you should be talking on the phone. You got to lower the volume. Yeah, but now you're probably oh, beginning, you're beginning our feedback. Uh, or if you put headphones, maybe on. The, if you have headphones for the uh, phone, yeah, or earbuds, uh, that should. Because right now it's just the feedback from us. I think. I'm just going to mute her for a moment so we don't get the yeah. feedback. But yeah, I think that I think that'll work. It's just uh, yeah, it was just the, our feedback. But yeah, I'm a skeptical guy by nature myself. And uh, Annabelle and I used a Ouija board once and. Uh, I really thought, like, I just thought it would be something silly to us to record, but we really got answers, and so, and none of them were, like, spooky or anything, which made me think there was something to it, because even if you were making stuff up either unintentionally or intentionally, you think you would make up something you're wild. It was just, like, real basic, like, this was, like, a teacher that we were talking to. Yeah. But what was weird, the weirdest part was, we asked if he was where we were at, or like, where are you? Like, you know, in the cemetery because we did it yeah. in the cemetery, cool. and it just it just moved around and didn't land anywhere. And I knew that cemetery's haunted, but I didn't really know like the story behind it. And so I googled it afterwards, and the reason why that cemetery is considered a haunted is it was uh, when they built the canal here, it flooded and it moved all the bodies, and so the bodies are some of them are on, under the wrong tombstones because they put them oh. back in the wrong order. And so then I'm thinking like. When we asked where he was, and it just kind of floated around the board, I was like, maybe there's something uh, more to that. Well, it was a weird experience. Well, yeah, no problem. Well, Neil, the the problem with that is that that volume has to go off, and you can't have one or the other because no feedback. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but, she's still trying to figure all that. Yeah. So basically, I, I, you I had a mini poltergeist. Things. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> so, Perfect. So, yeah. So I, I haven't yeah. been back there, but. <laughs> well. This is where it's going to get kind of interesting. Uh, let me let me let me close this door because I got a feeling I'm going to get some feedback. I'll be right. All right. Okay. Speaking of Ouija boards, mm-hmm. uh, my brother tells the story a lot better, but um, I want to say it was like maybe 1986, 87. Maybe, maybe 1988. I'm not, which one of those years uh, we were, you know what? It had to be after Witchboard. So what, Witchboard was 86, 87? Yeah, I'm not positive, but yeah. Yeah, you know, everybody's yeah. buying Ouija boards all of a sudden, you know, tiny uh-huh. container and everything. So we did the thing and we were just goofing around and, you know, we're all a bunch of dudes, you know, my brother's little kid, whatever. And my mom's kind of like hanging around. My mom was like one of those cool moms that would always play video games with us or play board games or whatever. So she was like, y'all should be playing with that thing and da 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 whatever. So uh, we're just asking the most stupidest questions. And at the time, I, I wasn't with my – I had this girlfriend on and off since junior high, whatever, in high school and all that. And so we were messing around like, well – who, who are you going to marry? You know, we're doing stupid questions like that. Right, right. And so everybody's like, it's all moving around and it's going M and we're like, Oh, it's going to be your, my ex-girlfriend. And then a, and we're like, Hey, what the hell's that? R I, and then it stopped. 
Marty. And I'm like, everybody's looking at each other going, Marty, what the, who's that? What's that? I didn't even know a Marty. My brother brings this up almost 20 years later. He goes, hey, Rob, do you remember we were playing the Ouija board? He goes, what's your wife's name? I go, you got to be shitting me. <laughs> 20 years later, we find yeah. out that the Ouija board was answering that I was going to marry my wife. Uh, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. 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 So that's where you end up finding out, like, after the fact, the creepiness of whatever we were contacting. We could actually go through an entire process of the different things that we used to have. Uh, uh, you know, I, 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 we've always been skeptical and different things have followed I guess me and my brothers in the house that, that my brother currently lives in. But uh, I don't know. It's been questionable things, uh, spirits or whatever you want to call them. And that's the house that we actually uh, did all that Ouija board stuff. Yeah. I, I regret not uh, like getting stuff with my grandma before she passed away. Cause she supposedly grew up in a haunted house and her parents uh, boarded one of the rooms shut because like they would see, see things in there. And there, like, there you go. And so I, she'd always talk about it, but I, I always wanted to film her, but I, you know, so anyone out there, you, you should, you know, if you think of stuff like that, you should get it on your film uh, camera at some point because you never know when people won't be around. To Where, do you have access to that house still? It's in Pennsylvania. I'm not sure who owns it. Yeah. It would have probably been burned it down now. Yeah, it's my great. I was. I don't think I was at. I don't know if it was. I we used to go and visit our great grandparents when I was a kid. I'm not sure if that who side. I think that was on my grandfather's side. I'm not positive, but so I'm yeah. not sure if I was in the house or not. But I yeah, remember the one house we went into was supposedly haunted too. I never saw anything. But they're yeah. all like really old houses. Yeah. See, that's what I mean. It's it's always rich in you know lore and history and all that kind of stuff and and that part of the. Uh, country the the only history that i could get on where i grew up you know in portland where we were having that issue was that it was actually probably one of the oldest parts of that town of portland texas and uh through books and stuff it was really close to the center of i guess the town because it was this town square building that all the commerce would go through and um, so it was a relatively older part of the community. So who knows what kind of activity was uh, uh, bouncing around uh, that would, you know, channel some of that kind of stuff. But we, we used to see shadow people and, you know, weird stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When uh, we did a walking tour of Salem one, one Halloween. And uh, Salem, if no one's ever been there, it's, it's really Parts of Salem are very touristy and kind of like kind of lame, but they're fun, whatever. But then there's really actual old parts of Salem that are really cool. And uh, I kept seeing this one place where it was just like tombstones in a big square. And I was kept thinking, like, how, how does that work? Because you can't bury a body. Like, they were literally just tombstone after tombstone all together. And I thought maybe they sold them or something. And so on the tour, they told us that, like, the parking lot we were on is the actual burial ground. And to build the, the parking lot, then they just stuck all the tombstones together in this little corner. And I was like, isn't that how, you know, isn't that how Poltergeist yeah, started? Another, I don't, I don't another, know if sound too good. No, another Poltergeist situation. There yeah. you go. It doesn't seem very nice wow. either. I don't I, Like, we'll just put cement over here and build the parking lot. Uh, Mariella, can you, uh, can you hear us? Yes. Can y'all hear me? Yes. Wow. You can hear me. Is it better? Yeah, much better. Okay. Very cool. Very good. It's good to hear from you. 
So now we answer all the questions that we asked you previously. Okay. <laughs> uh, what question do you want me to answer? Yeah, I'll just kidding. There. Uh, well, actually, you know, uh, making the uh, the documentary. You know, because as uh, Robert said, you went in as a skeptic, and then uh, how did you feel while you were, while you were there? Okay, so Rob, so how I got involved is, um, so. Rob was telling me that he, well, when he came back from visiting El Indio, he, um, he says, oh my gosh, you know this, you know, I went to go see this curandero. I thought it was a bunch of BS, you know, and then he says, but he knew all this stuff about me from his ex-girlfriend, from stuff when he was a child, from, I guess, his parents, um, he knew like all the like pretty specific specific stuff. And I was like, you know what? That's a bunch of bull. <laughs> so <laughs> I still didn't believe it. Uh-huh. So then he's like, okay, well, you need to, you know, you need to go and and do this and or be a or whatever and as a skeptic. So we, uh, it was me, Rob, and um, Zoe. Did Kaylin go with us? No, no. It was, uh, it was me, Rob, Zoe, and Hondo. And Hondo was like maybe a year old. And it was just weird because at the time, um, there was like some just, I'm adopted. And I had just found my birth mother and it was just really, really bad. Like it was a really bad experience for me. Um, it was like opening Pandora's box and just, all this negative stuff just came out. And um, so I guess in a way I was kind of wanting like answers and hope anyway, but at the same time, I am a firm believer. Like I believe in science, you know, if, if it's not in front of me, then it's, you know, it's just hard to believe, you know, something, you know? And so, um, well, I walked into his, he calls it, it's a cuarito. Is that how you say it, Rob? The clean, the cleansing room, the little building that he has. The cuarto, whatever, the cuartito. Um, so we walked in there, it was dark. I don't think there were any lights on. It was just natural lighting. And then there was like a bunch of like, just stuff everywhere. And the first thing that I saw was a pacifier that looked like Zoe's pacifier. Like it had the same scratches on it. It had this, the paint rubbed off in the same places. Um, she, I think, eventually chewed through the plastic part of the, the binky. And um, it had, it was missing. This, the, the tip of the binky was missing. It was just weird how coincidental how it looked exactly like our daughters. So I was like, okay. So then he has, I think he has me sit down at the, the his desk or whatever. And he said that I had all these questions um, and uh, he wants to help me find answers to these questions. And so um, he has like, he had like in a drawer, a bunch of different type of cards. 
He had playing cards. He had tarot cards of different types of decks of tarot cards. And then, um, I don't know. So he, he says, okay, I feel like you need to, with what you're needing, you're going to, I'm going to read off of these cards. So he picks like this, this deck. I think I want to say they were like brand regular playing cards. It wasn't really like a tarot card that you would see just a deck of playing cards. And he just lines them all up. And then he said that I had, you know, questions about an incident that happened between my birth mother, uh, her husband, and just whatever the situation was. And he, he was very specific on on what was like going on. And it, I guess I was so desperate to get these answers that I wanted to believe what he was saying, you know. Then um, he, once he was done, he says, you need to get this certain type of cleansing. So he um, has like these, these branches from some kind of an herbal tree. And one of the, the types of rituals or cleansing that you do is you, you brush off the negativity with these branches. And you do from head to toe. And then he has like holy water and stuff. And he, like he's throwing it at you and throwing it on the branches and stuff. Then he gives you a candle and you're supposed to hold the candle and whatever it is that you're wanting answers for you, you, you hold the candle. You don't say anything. He doesn't want to know anything. So then, um, so then you go into like the area where you saw like the fire or whatever. And, um, you, he lights the candle and then he, you're standing, like I was standing in the middle and then he surrounds you with fire. And depending on how the fire is burning, it's, he says that it's, it's like uh, the evil spirits or something leaving uh, whatever it is that's attached to you. And so, um, so you're holding the can, the, when you're holding the candle, he's giving you instructions and then you're supposed to be saying like in our father, Hail Mary, you know, um, and then that candle goes into, I guess the side cause he collects, I don't know if you recall, but there was like a, like a collection of the candles around the fire. So he, those are the, the, all the people that he saw for that day. So then, um, I'm in the middle of the fire um, then he, the branches that I cleansed or I wiped my body with or whatever, um, they, he puts it around the circle where the fire is. And so I guess that helps to fuel the fire. Um, but it was just really weird how like, there were like, like a tornado and there were, it was tunneling all the way around. Um, so there's no, in that room, there are no windows. In that room, there's no, like, a breeze for, uh, to cause, uh, the like, the tornadic fire or whatever. Um, so I don't know. I you can't explain it. I know that there were some of the candles that whenever they were filming, um, I guess worms appeared or something. And, um... I don't know, nails would appear, different objects would appear in different candles and stuff. And um, I don't know. Did I answer your question? Yeah, it does. Okay. 
<laughs> what are the plans to do uh, to do with it now, Indigo? Uh, well, I feel like you gave it some little legs um, because we really haven't shown it anywhere. I think there was like a screening at the college or something, but that was it. Um, we, I guess, showed it online. We used to have a public access show called Stuff because of stuff. Yeah. And uh, we showed it there. But there was this guy who was, a, I guess, went and bootlegged our movie and um, claimed it for his own or whatever. And uh, so we took it, took it down so that yeah. he would stop making money off of it. Mm-hmm. That's another problem um, with the potential a potential problem with the online uh, film festivals, the uh, piracy. Yeah, but I don't know. Um, so I think what we're gonna do is we're going to um, try to submit it to festivals to see who wants to. I don't know. Show it. Yeah. Um, I know that. I was going to say that. Uh, in the the days before the film was actually done, we had like, and I think they're still out there. We had these little teasers that are scattered throughout the the internet. They're on you. They're on YouTube. Well, I know that those teasers. I got the weirdest email one time, and I think Mariella might remember. It was actually a, a law enforcement agency that does investigations and stuff like that all up and down the uh, border were actually interested in using the film. They hadn't even seen film, but they said the the pieces of the film, they would like to use them in some kind of educational. uh, Okay. So in long, well, okay. So there's, I don't know if you saw the room where there's a figure that kind of looked like the Virgin Mary, but she was a skeleton. Well, I guess in the Kudanero culture, there's they have like a saint called uh, Santa Muerte or something, and um, the people who like drug dealers, mafia, the cartels, the the gangs, they actually they worship this 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 uh, icon or whatever, and. Um, protector type thing yes because they feel that she's going to protect them and they're not going to get in trouble el indio's explanation to that is that uh uh, santa muerte she is like justice so she holds you know if you you know she's the balance of negative and positive or something but for for whatever reason, these other the uh, the gangs or cartels or whatever um, the drug dealers they they pray to her um, because they feel that she's going to protect them, and so um, I think that's the reason why they wanted that you know to use it as a, a learning tool um, because they see so much of these people with their shrines. Uh, to this entity or to this icon. So did that answer y'all's question? Yeah, definitely. No, I, it's, uh, I find it very interesting and uh, I, I need to check out, I know it's in Spanish, but I need to check out the, uh, the whole one. I'm very interested in it. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, there's some, there's some uh, segments where he's talking about his family and stuff, but I think 
you know, just kind of watching it. I think you can kind of figure out, you know, some of the just of what's happening. And then you'll get to examine what the different cleansings are. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll, you'll notice quickly he's using like whips in one. He's using chickens. He's using uh, various candles. He's using uh, like, you know, these different things that people... I guess they brush themselves with different things. And so th- you'll see all that. I mean, you're getting a snapshot of, of all those things. And, uh, had you, had you done documentaries before this? Um, I, well, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, you did some for college. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we did, yeah, I did some for the school. Um, I've always been fascinated with, you know, uh, well, yeah, we, I, you know, we've I, I, short, short form documentaries, you know, working with other uh, students and, 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 you know, making our own type thing. But um, this was the first one that was like, I guess the real deal kind of thing, the big project kind of thing. There's been so many different things that, that we wanted to explore and stuff. It's, uh, I guess you could say that there's a lot of different, I, I just know the fact that we're able to, you know, introduce this, this film and, and out there to everybody, um, it, it kind of renewed, you know, uh, the creative juices, so to speak. Um, that's you know, even even the corn cornstein uh, kind of uh, got that started to the point where, you know, we're we're looking at ver- you know some of the various projects that we either put on hold or things that we wanted to do or even whatever the next, you know, incarnation of what we want to do creatively. Um, it's always, it's, it's always been finding that right time to be able to, to do the project. Um, uh, you know, I, I work a lot with, you know, Mariela on, on these projects and you know, her job and my job, you know, sometimes don't sync up when it, when it comes to doing some of these things. But, um, you know, the fact that we were able to do like, Kornstein, I know it was a short form kind of thing. Um, I don't know. It, it, it kind of makes me want to uh, maybe there's some different avenues in that. I know animation in that form uh, was the first thing I've been able to work with somebody else. Me and my wife had worked on a I think it was like a 48 hour project where it incorporated some animation or green screening and animated uh, models and stuff like that and then uh and then we did a we were doing a public access show that i was able to you know make simple animation on some other characters as well so i don't know we've always kind of played around with different mediums and and you know storytelling from you know true documentaries to um uh you know music videos and short films and working with uh feature projects and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes people don't think uh, of documentaries as storytelling, but uh, I think it is. I mean, you still have to have a story to tell. Otherwise it's just, you know, people talking. Right. Yeah. Right. Most definitely. And, and that's, you know, I think that's to me, uh, and, and that was, you know, uh, the reason why when I chose the credits that we were that, you know, uh, how we were credited with that, uh, if you watch the credits, it, it has like director and all that kind of stuff. But what I wanted to do was feature my wife as producer because she was the one that helped oversee, you know, the long form of that. And then I was hands-on editing in that, 
you know, to me, that was those two, uh, those worked in tandem, you know, pretty much all the way for them from start to, you know, start to finish of what the completed project would end up looking like. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I know myself just uh, doing the, uh, the film festival, then putting the awards together. It's uh, also uh, inspired me to do some more, uh, even just a little short, some weird short or something. Cause they're fun to do and it's cool to, to share them with people. Oh, and, no, uh, most definitely. You know, it's nice to, to have used your creativity on something. Oh yeah, it's, I, I, of, I, it's good to create and express yourself. Did, did you see? Look at, oh, go ahead. I was, what you can? What were you gonna ask? I was gonna say uh, over your shoulder, uh, it's alive. Um, yes. That movie uh, scared the crap out of me. Yes. Uh, <laughs> when when I was, I, I don't even know how old I was. We we we. I was staying at my grandmother's house with some cousins and they decided let's all watch it's alive uh-huh. and uh, I should have never watched that movie because I had nightmares like non-stop like I it just and they my mom was like calling my grandmother and my cousins you should you should have never seen that movie and this that and the other and yeah it, it's I don't know it, it it didn't help I think that my my mom was pregnant so you know I was yeah that's <laughs> Doesn't help. No, uh, it's also on my hat here. Yes, very oh, awesome. Yeah, this is a hand. Annabelle painted me this hat. It's all the weird monsters I like from different movies. So what's cool about it's very, very personalized cool. to me, and it's not necessarily like the a lot of mainstream monsters. It's like you know, Belial from Basket Case. So uh, and there's the stuff. Not not your guys' stuff, but yeah, yeah, the, the movies. yeah, yeah, yeah. Poster, I think. It's a poster. Someone did a parody of the the stuff movie for the festival. Oh, they did. Yeah, the parody poster. Oh, really? I've not seen that. I love the, I love the stuff. I love that. I love that the uh, the first notion the guy has when he sees this ooze bubbling out of the ground is, uh, "Let me eat this and see what it tastes like." <laughs> 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 that start, that's how the whole movie starts. Yeah. So like, oh, that seems a very reasonable thing to do if you see something bubbling on the ground. Yeah. So everyone, all the kids out there, if you see stuff bubbling on the ground, don't eat it. It's probably a, it's not a good <laughs> idea, even if it doesn't end up eating you. But it's probably yeah. very cool. Yeah. Uh, what, what are some of you guys' favorite? Like, uh, I don't want to say your favorite movies that you guys have screened because that 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 puts you in a bad spot. But just some of your favorite like underground weird movies. Um, there could be some screen. Actually, right now, uh, video diary of um, video diary. What was it called? Um, uh, the diary of a video. What is it? The it's the uh, what the heck is it called? Now you got me on a. We've screen so many movies. Um, okay, well, what I liked about this one, I'm gonna get now. I'm gonna have to video diary. Um, is her coloring video. video video diary of a lost girl? Have you no, heard of that one? No, I've not heard of this. Oh wow! Yeah, you gotta see this one. Yeah, it's it's free. I think we posted it like not long ago because she's um she's part of Lindsay Denningberg. She's um doing something with uh one of the video challenges right now for being in lockdown. Um, 
well, it's, it's very colorful. Um, and she's, uh, and I, that's one thing that attracts me to a movie are the colors like Suspiria, the original Suspiria. Yeah. It was all the coloring and the yeah. lighting that was used and yeah. stuff. Um, really that movie's not necessarily really about the plot. It's about the atmosphere. Of yes. the original one, yeah. I still haven't seen the remake. I actually really liked the remake. I went in like thinking like, why would you remake it? Because it really isn't like a plot driven movie. Uh, uh-huh. So they, uh, they did something really different with the, with the remake. So I really like, and I'm someone who likes the original. So I, I would, I would recommend it. And my friend Tris doesn't watch it either. Cause the original is one of her favorites, but I recommend that she, she check it out. Yeah. I heard it was really good. And this is from like die hard, like horror fans. And you know, they, they, had I have not heard a complaint about it at all. Yeah, I know some so, people say it's boring, or but um, I mean, unless something really is boring, uh, that does. I'm not bothered by a very a long movie. I mean, uh, or slow paced or anything. As long as it's good. Um, it wasn't boring to me. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> if you have a short um, attention span, maybe it is. Yeah, it would probably be hard. I don't know. But I assume people um, go to festivals or put together festivals uh, aren't going to be bothered by uh, a short attention span. I wouldn't think so. Because I don't know. Like, we show a lot of experimental films. Yeah. Um, I don't think we've shown up as many recently because, uh, since being at the Alamo Draft House. But before that, we showed a ton of experimental films. And with the experimental films, there's some that can you know, go on like three, four hours long. Yeah, which I know that's hard. That's also hard to, uh, to, uh, just have at the festivals. Cause it takes up, you know, you can, that takes up two movies time or, you know, 20 shorts or whatever, which I know some people don't think about when they're, when they're putting their movie at a festival, but, uh, mm-hmm. the runtime I think does affect a lot, uh, just scheduling it, you know? So maybe uh, I, that's just a little advice. Maybe you could cut your movie down for, people who are having a hard time at the festivals because uh, it might not be, they don't like it. Just, it's just doesn't fit in the schedule because of length. I know that that has been a, a thing that we've had to take a careful look at in recent. Uh, the reason we were able to show things more so where we had two or three, even four different venues that we would be screening things because we would have like a, a bar. And then we would have like the art center would have two rooms that we were able to you know, screen, you know, these longer pieces. And uh, we were able to, to challenge more of the audiences. I think it, it's just because of time, I guess. Um, uh, like one of the most recent movies that we were able to, to screen that was in, in a longer form was, um, I think, was it this past festival? Ninja Badass, I think that kind yeah. of, yeah, that that pushed the envelope as far as what we, you know, I mean, two hours and we start going in plus that. I mean, you got to think in terms of Q&A and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That, you know, we'd have to make definitely a lot of, you know, think of I, what happens earlier in the schedule and then make adjustments that way. Yeah. I thought about that specifically when he mentioned it. He had a hard time getting it at, uh, at the festival festivals because I think it's a movie that would really do well at festivals because it's, it's very fun and interact. You know, it's a movie you can really interact with and it's crazy and appeal to people. But I do think that the runtime, it doesn't bother me when I'm just watching it because it, it, it doesn't lag or anything. 
but I think just scheduling, you know, an over two or I think it's over two hours uh, movie, uh, just schedule wise, it's hard to do. Yeah, yeah, it was such a fun movie to watch. Oh yeah, like when we were. It was honestly uh, my f- favorite time at the at the festival was watching that. I mean, I loved a lot of the movies, but if I had to pick one, I probably had the most fun watching that one. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, it is a lot of fun, and I was just thinking. I don't know. Maybe it was the time that other festivals hadn't picked it up, but it didn't seem like it took so long to get through, you know, because of all the action that was happening. Oh yeah. You don't, you don't think of it as a two hour movie where you're watching it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and sometimes a movie like that with a lot of craziness can like, uh, Uh, run its course like if you're watching a longer version it's like it maybe would play better for 70 minutes or something because it's so much you know weirdness mm-hmm. but uh but it, i didn't feel that way at all watching ninja badass i should have brought my card because i have it up in my room uh the ninja <laughs> badass card you know and also i mean i hope other festivals i haven't heard anything i haven't seen anything if this film got picked up but i hope it does because mm-hmm. it's i don't know like i said it's a lot of fun it is yeah. um and you could tell everyone really had fun making it, which it really comes through in the movie. Yeah. That's a perfect um, movie for a festival because I think it it doesn't really fit into any genre. So the uh, film like stuff, it's, I think the, the film festivals with underground in them are always my favorite because you, you never know what you're going to see. You're going to see some, you know, it might be a, just a straight horror movie. It might be something like Ninja Badass because I don't know where that fits in like genre wise, which doesn't bother me as a viewer, but I just know if you have a straight up horror festival, they might not, you know, run it. Yeah. A rom-com festival, which I don't know. I, hopefully there aren't any, but. No, that, you know, that's, that has always been my thing uh, about what the way we've been able to present films is that um, I want, I, I like that we're able to, to screen, you know, across, you know, all, all, all kinds of genres, some non-genres and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I think that, you know, sometimes you find these, you know, quirky films that when we wrap them in, you know, other things by itself, it might not work. People are like questioning, well, where does that fit? But when we put some of these blocks together, we're able to squeeze some of these other films and they fit nicely. We're just on the surface. You're like, wait a minute. Wow. I don't see how that film's going to work. You're going to squeeze an animation, this, with this and that and the other, and then they, they kind of all, they, they kind of all play together. And I don't know, maybe that's just something, something that's no, unique. I, or, I, I like that about uh, South Texas underground film festival. And some of the people, I remember Josh uh, Stifter said the same thing and some other people I knew. And cause I, you know, I, I've not been to a million, but I've been to, to several and uh, <laughs> there's something about movies playing well together. It's like, I, I always, I always use the thing that like a mixtape, which I know, younger people don't know what the hell that means but uh, <laughs> but you want something you know to flow mm-hmm. yeah and even if you liked everything you know they might not play together yeah and then i don't know i i think what i the whole thing about the festival is and the reason why we we created it was to also give the people who don't have a voice a voice you know, um, the unheard, the unseen, um, like, you know, we showed like this year, we showed the whistle and y'all were, you and Michael were sitting in front of us and stuff. Um, 
and that's the one about the the lesbians in New, mm -hmm. New Mexico using the whistle to identify yeah. or to call each other and, and stuff like that and um, that I thought was you know I really loved I thought it too thought that, yeah you know and, and so I just I don't know you know it was something it just, I didn't know anything about either which was what the whistle yeah the, you know yeah I know lesbians but I didn't know the uh, I didn't know <laughs> the, the whistle thing but yeah it was uh no and, and to me that that's the unique thing about I think what the different documentaries in, in that in that in that block were you were able to explore maybe some different things from you know you're you're walking away with with maybe something that you're more insightful nor, uh, about now and I think that's the uh I guess that's the the thing that we try to find we try to find something uh, uh you know unique about you know some of those films sometimes and it, and it plays out, you know, sometimes like that. I don't know. We're, we're, we're really proud of, uh, there's so many films that, that uh, we'd, we'd want to show. Um, and, and we hope that we we're picking, you know, the truly unique ones that, that, that are, they touch us a lot and we're hoping that everybody walks away and that they're still talking about them. You know, we're yeah. like, you know, six, six months, almost six months later and everybody's still talking about some of these films and mm -hmm. uh, remembering those moments and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's the stuff that I guess we've shown is still starts conversations, you know, like, Hey, remember whenever we saw this, you know, and, or I don't know, um, like Daniel and Clara, uh, they, they're experiment, experimental filmmakers and um, we've shown a lot of their work and, you know, like Josh and Brooke, you know, everyone, he, in, somehow we talk about the screenings that we've had and we'll bring up like their films because it's very stylized and, and very like Savage Witches. It is very colorful and um, and it just, I don't know. I guess I'm rambling. <laughs> no, no but, I think. Um, I don't know. We just hope to start conversations with people, and and um, and just because people have didn't get picked for the festival doesn't mean that we didn't like it. Like mm -hmm. Tennessee Gothic, you know, we wanted to show it, but it was it was a feature film, and there was other feature films that hadn't even been screened yet, and. That, I felt so bad that we couldn't, you know, program it because we really liked this filmmaker. And, um, it was, and it came down to the fact that he had it available online and to purchase and stuff. And, you know, I know that there's other film festivals showing it and I'm, I'm glad that there's film festivals that are, you know, showing Tennessee Gothic and stuff. And then like clickbait, clickbait, uh, you know, I felt really bad that we didn't show that at, when did they submit, Rob? Not this year, I think. Yeah, the, the year prior. The year prior, and I, and I think what happened was and, that it was in our like. It always happens. We get into this like where we have ten films that we're kind of picking through and sorting through and trying to figure out, you know, who's making two spots or one spot, and we have this magical ten films that we're like so deeply wanting to program or squeeze in there somehow. Hey, well, what if we shorten the Q and A's by this much? And they're already this short. How can we do that? We're trying. And it was also the first time we were screening at the Alamo draft house. And 
we slowly, I mean, it was the first time we were screening at Alma Draft House. We were finding out that we had to make accommodations for, because it was a different way that we were screening it. Uh, they had to clean, you know, the, the, the rooms a certain way. So we needed to add extra time. And I'm like, oh my goodness, we're going to go overtime. So we can't screen as much as I, you know, originally had thought we might be able to. And um, it just it just made it very difficult to find which one or two films were going to take up the last spot. And I remember just, uh, you know, I, re I was talking to my Mariello, you know, she was like, they did they ever submit that? And I go, yeah, they did. And I said, uh, that was one of those difficult cuts that we had at the very, very end of the festival. And we already had extended our announcement date which kind of uh, got a lot of people uh, frazzled because they were like, what's going on? You guys are supposed to announce everything. And, you know, we're getting information from draft house that, well, you guys actually have this much time to screen and we're like, Oh crap. So, you know, we had to, we had to make some difficult cuts and it, and it hurts uh, doing those because we fall in love with a lot of the films. Uh, the fact that our film festival happens in January Usually, the films have gone through these their own cycles mm -hmm. where sometimes they're ready to distribute or they already got something in place that by the time they start streaming, they're either getting released prior or right around that time. And it gets, you know, I, you know that's not my to tell them not to distribute the film. Yeah. You know? And the thing also, the, our audience is a type, they're the type of people that are going to go and see if they can find it online. And if they can find it online, they're not going to go to the festival to see it because they've already seen it. And we've been told that before. Why are you, know, we already saw this. Why are you showing it off? You know, because we saw it in Victoria. Why are you screening it over here? So, you know, it just, we have to be able to pick the movies that you know the audience i guess it, it, it is going to love the way we love the movies and um also i mean just to make sure that that i don't know we're going to surprise them with what we show does that make sense yeah yeah i mean uh it's an unfortunate thing that you but you have to also think about we have to bring people in you know what i mean it's yeah. not just uh or you're not just showing the movies for yourself. Yeah, it, 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 it gets to that weird thing where, you know, uh, we've had filmmakers that, you know, are they come down and they're like, you know, they're either part of a festival and they're like, no, we don't care the film's online. I'm like, well, that's, you know, I'm glad that's that way up there. But here it's like, they go, I've seen this, 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 and this was like in the early days. And we're like, oh, crap. I'm like, well, I didn't know all those films were, <laughs> right you know right. That, you know and you know when we end up picking some of those films a lot can happen because usually we pick films at least what two months about two months prior to our screening two and a half sometimes yeah months. yeah and, and sometimes people a time to plan to come down to give you yeah. know because the closer to the date and you purchase your airfare the more expensive it gets and yeah. And, and, and then we end up in those situations where, you know, and, and it's, and it sometimes falls in line with somebody that's, they got accepted in the festival, but they're not coming. And they're like, Oh yeah, my film, my film's going to come out like the week before we screen that your thing. And 
can you hold it off? And they're like, no, it's already ready to go. And, yeah. oh, okay. It's just a weird, it's, I don't know. That was another reasoning that we were trying to get back into like the August cycle because then we can kind of move it a little bit more so and uh, be in the cycle while, you know, it's screening at various different festivals. Uh, COVID has definitely changed a little bit of the, the game field, at least for this year. But, um, you know, we, we want to see what we can do for next year and maybe try that again. And, you know, hopefully everything's a little bit better and we can try to again in an August setting. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see what, how that plays out. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I was going to mention that uh, you mentioned what kind of movies, you know, Mar- Mariella had mentioned that she likes movies with all these colors and stuff like that. When, when I was younger, I would visit video stores all the time. I was always going to the video store. Uh, our uh, video store was a photo mat slash video store that had, uh, uh, I guess it was Dollar Day, like during like Wednesdays or Twosdays or Thursdays, whatever it was. Yeah, mine had a similar like a, thing. So. Yeah, I would get a stack of films in the summer. It I would think be it was like, Tuesday night you mentioned it. Yeah, <laughs> go first thing in the morning before they were open, uh, find the film, and they would have like one copy of all the films. So it wasn't yeah, like, yeah. you know, five versions or whatever. So if you wanted to see Back to the Future, mm-hmm. you had to like stay and hunt, and you would hear them drop through the thing and go, hey, was that a copy of Back to the Future that came mm-hmm. back? Uh, and you'd be hanging out waiting for that, whatever that was, that one copy. So to to fill up the other things, this crazy video store that I would go to, this is the way I would find out all these other films. I, we would watch like Mondo Magic. Are you familiar with those I've crazy? Heard of it, but yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, you know, there are these weird documentary that that like the crazy things that happen in all these different countries that. How they were checking that stuff out to us, I have no idea. We were all these kids, and we're uh, checking out all this stuff. Uh, the Faces of Death movies, the, uh, uh, I don't know, just just anything off the wall. Yeah. My um, mom signed a thing at our video store that said that I was allowed to rent whatever I wanted, but they still wouldn't let me NC-17. Not that I was really like doing that, <laughs> but, uh, but I could rent any R-rated movie. Uh, no, no Henry in June for you or <laughs> that nature. I remember in ours, it had the gate poster. Isn't that the one where it said no one under a certain age, the gate poster or something like that. It had something like on the bottom. They didn't like at a certain uh, age was not allowed to watch that film. And yeah. They had all those posters up. Um, I remember uh, one instance where we checked out life force uh, yeah, I'm yeah. a big fan of Life Force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we we were all these guys, and we checked this out, and we bring it home, and we start watching it. Unfortunately, my mom hadn't left to the bingo, <laughs> uh-huh. so here she comes and turns the corner, and we're all watching this naked lady walking all <laughs> over the place. What are you guys? What, what the video store? I can't believe they gave us the wrong movie. We just went into this whole tirade <laughs> that they checked us out the wrong movie. Mom, I can't believe it, mom. We need to take it right now to the video store before you go to the bingo. We need to change this movie out. Yeah, it was this big fiasco. We had to, you know, she she caught us. Uh, we, we definitely weren't supposed to watch that one at the time. But I don't know. But, I mean, we would uh, we would watch a little bit of everything. I was like, 
even at that age, I was uh, in junior high and high school. I was the curator or the programmer for you know my my friends' films. I would I would look for uh, maybe a comedy, a cult classic. Sometimes we'd go with a western. Something we'd say, hey, well, let's get something black and white. Well, I started stumbling across films because they 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 had a copy of uh, Strangers in Paradise. And these movies that started having these little laurels on them. And so I used to say, hey, I got some festival movies. And my friends were like, what is that? I don't want to where, go get, you know, Back to the Future or something like that. But I started introducing them to, you know, more of the festival films. And um, it started getting to the point that the following weeks as we were watching films, hey, where's the next film with the laurel things on there or whatever. And. And uh, they were they started getting open to the idea of, of watching some of these like with nail and I and and some of these more uh, you know uh, metro metrop uh, what is it um, what the hell is it called Metropolitan and you know all these weird movies I would play like festivals around and uh, I guess our video store and I guess our video store liked it because at least somebody checked Someone's it out run it, right? yeah yeah hey we made our money back. I don't know. Those movies were real expensive back, back in the day. Oh yeah. But, yeah. yeah they were like but, $90 you know, or something, but yeah. 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 Crazy. But, um, no, and that way, I mean, we were always checking something a little bit, you know, different at, mm-hmm. at the, at the video store, something recent, something old, something, you know, all that. Yeah. The one I went to all the time was a family owned and I went to the, went to school with the, with uh, one of the sons, the uh, nap family. And uh, every month they'd put out their uh, calendar because they'd have all these different days. And so I'd always get the calendar. Like Wednesday would be joke day. And then if it was a month, report cards came out. Like if you brought in a report card, you get a free uh, rental if you had an A and all these different things. And uh, they really made it fun. And I remember when Blockbuster came in, uh, they went to the family and they just told them, like, well, you can either sell out to us or we're going to put you out of business. Wow. And so they sold but us. That's why I, I I don't miss Blockbuster or have any because uh, I mean they, they're the ones that really put out. People say uh, Netflix, but it, it was really Red. It was really um, uh, Blockbuster that put out all the the fan, the mom and pop uh, um, beach uh, video rental stores out of business. Yeah, you gotta support those mom and pops. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I definitely miss yep. those. Yeah. No, I mean, they, there were some that, that tried to battle it out. They would get the more obscure. The only place I could find orgasmo was in this Asian video star in, you know, you know, and um, as soon as I saw it and I watched it, I, I called them up and I'm like, yeah, how can I buy this movie? And I don't want to pay 90 bucks for this thing, but I have to have this movie. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's see more people rent it first and then maybe we'll sell it to you. It stayed in the same shelf the whole time. I said, look, dudes, just sell me the movie. I want this movie. Yeah. Um, it, it just, just crazy stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember getting a, a bad taste and uh dead alive. And like, I think they had, they had one copy of each. Cause it's not like a big, especially bad taste is probably even more of an obscure rental. Like mm-hmm. at least uh, dead alive is like a weird zombie movie. So this probably appeals to some people, but uh, and it, it does weird. Uh, I didn't think too much of it at the time, but now I do think like, well, why did they get some of these very strange movies that probably no one else was renting but me? But I'm glad they did. Oh yeah, I I think that to me that was the 
the thing that we would stumble across some of these uh, uh, films. And um, the next thing you know, it's like uh, you, you recheck it out and you're inviting, you know, several of your friends to like, oh my gosh, you guys got to check this film out. And next thing you know, everybody in town is all of a sudden demanding this movie. Um, yeah, there was, there was some crazy stuff about, about being able to do that. Uh, I remember my, my brother, um, Pulp Fiction was released on Laserdisc in Japan before it ever hit the United States from live on video or anything like that. So we had the Japanese Laserdisc of Pulp Fiction before it was even released in domestic. And we made one copy and everybody wanted to borrow that thing. It just, it was just, you know, reliving that, that film over and over. That film was such an impact. Um, uh, it was, a, it, yeah, it, it was just at a, that time of, um, I don't know, I guess everything was kind of changing in, in, in the video markets and, and the way films were being distributed and, and all that kind of stuff during that time. It really made its own genre movie because then everyone was copying that afterwards too. It became oh, like yeah. a, a, you know, it's the style of film. Most definitely. But I had a, used to have a neighbor, Howard, who actually lived, he lived in Texas uh, in the winter and then he would come here in the summer on the Cape and he would go around and buy, because this was right when the v, the VH stores were starting to go out of business and he would buy all of all the tapes and like, I don't know why, because he had like literally thousands of movies, and I, I never use this old guy. And we'd go, I'd go over and help him sort through the movies, and then he'd let me take a couple and stuff. But I always wondered, like, why do you keep buying these? Because he just had his whole basement filled with them. I don't know what his his what he what he thought he was gonna ever do with them, or wow. if he's gonna watch like all these thousands of movies. I don't know whatever happened to him because he passed away. But. Oh man, I wonder what happened to all those movies. Yeah, probably were brought came in just threw them away. Or, I don't know, which is unfortunate because wow, I remember a few years ago I tried to give away some of my VHS, like donate them, and no place would take them. I tried to donate them to the library; they wouldn't take them. I tried to donate them to uh, the nursing homes. I thought, well, you know, the people at the nursing home watch them. They're like, no, we only take DVDs and Blu-rays. And it's like, wow. Okay. Yeah, and and you know, and the thing is that there are some VC VCR tapes or VHS and and some betas that those versions you can't you can't yeah. find some of those versions at all. I mean, if you want, uh, you know, uh, well, Star Wars. If you want that, yeah, the original uncut Star Wars. You're either getting that old um, uh, Japanese laser disc, or you're getting you know some VHS tape that yeah, where hand shoots first. And yeah, 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 yeah. It just, you know, and, and there's other films that, you know, uh, either never made the transition or they just died out on VHS. They just weren't popular enough. Um, there was a movie called Running Scared. I don't know, uh, yeah, I know when, when, I, when I say that, everybody thinks of uh, Billy Crystal and, right, and right. Gregory Hines. But there was another version with Judge Reinhold and Ken Wall called Running Scared. And they're like, I think it's in Florida, or the Keys or whatever. And they're on the run because uh and it had the same title so when billy crystal's film came out because i used to watch that one on hbo all the time and it said running scared and i was like running scared i go that's already been released what are they what are they doing and then i saw it was billy crystal and stuff and i'm like 
what happens when that happens? This other movie disappears or what? Uh, I don't know. There were, there were a lot of crazy movies that, you know, uh, yeah. that I used to watch. I mean, I, eventually they pop up either on Amazon prime or, or, uh, That's or they're still available on DVD, but the transition to even get into Blu-ray, sometimes they're not even available. Some of these old, older films. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's, I think the name of the movie is where the Buffalo roam, it's uh, the guy who wrote uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, but it's like the first, uh, the first movie version of one of his films. I think yeah. Bill Murray's in it. Bill, Bill Murray, yeah. yeah, Bill Murray. yeah. And yeah. it's only on VHS. I have the VHS, but I don't think it ever was released any other format. Yeah, see, and, and it's, it's, like yeah, it's, it's things like that. Uh, there's a movie called Fade to Black that it eventually made it into a uh, – uh, it was a DVD, but it was on one of those uh, dual DVDs, you know, with another film. But you know, it never tra- it never made it to that transition. I believe in Blu-ray, it just stayed in that limbo land. And it's a uh, it's a Dennis Christopher film. I don't know if you've seen it, hmm. where he um, he basically it's a um, he works in a movie studio as a delivery guy for the film. And he's obsessed with uh, Hollywood. So he dresses up like Hollywood uh, characters and starts killing people to get revenge. So, so he'll dress up like um, uh, Marilyn Monroe. He'll dress up like James Cagney, he, one of the universal monsters. And then he plays all these characters. And, and uh, that's actually Mickey Rourke's first movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, it. yeah. 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 It's called Fade to Black. It's uh, – I – I'm trying to think. It might be like YouTube, you know, pieced out to there or something like that. But I don't think it's ever been released on um, Blu-ray, and I don't, I don't think it streams. But uh, it's, it's just one of those kind of films that uh, I remember. I, I own it. Yeah. And when I looked up the price, I found out that that DVD, that DVD that I thought wasn't worth anything, you know, people pay you know fifty to seventy dollars just to get a copy of that because that's the only way you can uh, get that film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I was trying to think. There's a few other ones. I I have a. I should put them on the bookshelf because I have some VH. Because uh, I wasn't trying to donate all of them. I kept ones that I knew like you couldn't get anywhere or just was cool to me. Like I have a creep show. I should put that up there too because it was the first yep. uh, VHS my mom bought me. So I always the the tape actually doesn't work anymore, bro. Because I played it so much, but it's in the cool clamshell. So I always, I always kept that. That's what I was going to ask if it's in that clamshell. Those clamshells from. Uh, uh, what is it? Warner Brothers or what? I don't know what yeah, com- the companies. Right. Yeah. They all had their own. Yeah, like like these. That this one. is Warner. Yeah, and what's that? Yeah, one both there? these are Warner. Yeah, the yeah, lots also Warner. Yeah, and some of those companies, like the Disney clamshells and those, you know, they all had, you know, some unique packaging of some sort. You know, it's just like the album. Uh, you know, vinyl had it had a thing that when it all started shrinking down to CDs, you started losing something from those big albums that we would like look at the covers and read the lyrics and, or maybe the additional artwork that was inside or the sleeves or whatever. It was all part of the packaging. It was all part of the escape uh, since we didn't, you know, there wasn't like lots of music videos or whatever, like they are now or, well, not now, but like, <laughs> but the we're, yeah. yeah, they're all gone still. I don't even know what's going on, but uh, yeah, it just, uh, it was part of the, um, part of the thing. I, I, I see these I'm, you, I'm pretty sure you ran across them. They're these uh, retro movies that they look like they're packaged in clamshells and yeah, all this kind of yeah. stuff. They're 
kind of make them yeah. look some, that same some way. Some of them do even put them out in, in uh, you know, on VHS in claim shells. Oh, wow. Like I think Hanukkah did, uh, which came out recently, and uh, probably a couple other ones. But Very it's cool. always like a limited release, you know. So right, I designed right. the cover for one for um, for the Lich from James Balsamo, which oh, I was wow. very happy about. Nice, yeah. very cool. Yeah. Which yeah, it's cool. Put especially just to put on your bookshelf or whatever. But uh, oh, one yeah. of the th- I was thinking about doing. Well, I'm going to do at some point is uh, a music uh, video festival because we pl- I play a lot of independent uh, music on the show, and a lot of the the bands have really cool music videos, but. They're just kind of on YouTube or Vimeo or something, and I thought it'd be cool to do like a witch a watch party with a whole bunch of them for one night. If people, no, that'd be sweet. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yep, I know I'd be into it. Yeah, I know we we did some challenges. Um, it just seemed like we were we we thought you know it'd be great to document the bands at that particular time and um, uh, we we matched up like we put in a hat, we put like all the band names and we got a list of directors and they would basically draw into the hat and pull out a band. And then they're off to the races. They go off and make a music video of sorts. And then everybody at the end of the thing, we would have either 10 to 15 to even 20 music videos for bands that never even had anything. And if anything, it would be a a great way to document uh, the music scene at that particular time uh as you know as it was you know thinking back on that there's like maybe in our first incarnation of that uh challenge there might be only two bands or even one band that even is 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 in existence from that time then we did it again and i think we did it opposite where the band would like pull the director's name out and you know just to to flip-flop it and uh i don't know it's just to to us it was like you know, if you're part of the music scene and stuff like that, bands come and go, but we thought it would be a unique way of, of documenting bands at a certain time. Yeah, and definitely. So, and it would be a creative outlet for the filmmakers to do. I just saw Elvis go by, and Elvis knows way more about music than I do, which was... Hey, uh, Elvis, come here. I was very impressed. <laughs> I remember he was, he was asking bands ever for, with uh, with Michael in the car that one night. Oh, yeah. He was like, have you, have you seen this this band? I was like, I don't even know these bands, but him and Michael, they, they knew them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's um he, he definitely uh, he, he takes a piece of 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 all of that i mean we're we love music uh we're always listening to all different kinds of stuff and of course through that he's now exploring his own his own type of music that that he likes and, and getting his own tastes and of course when it comes to films as well and you know he's always wanting to dabble into uh uh videoing and all that kind of stuff so he's he's still exploring his his artistic sides as well so he's uh he's definitely a a character for sure yeah and uh, uh mariella did you uh did you ever finish any of the uh the warhammer figures you were painting or going to no be? i haven't finished i it's very expensive to keep up. With. I, yes, it is. It is. Even when they so, went to play, you know, at least be pewter, then they went to plastic, which you think would make them cheaper, but I don't think they ever lowered the price on. Them. Oh, I think they went up. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Nice so they're still sitting there. Um, I was, yeah. Not, so 
All I these they put out so many cool board games like the Big Trouble in Little China here. Uh, yep. I only get them because I get them gifted to me from Jason Mitten for my birthday. But uh, if I was a kid and they would have had all these games, I would have been just like in heaven. I'm like, wow, uh, Big Trouble in Little China board game or the Thing have board game. That's great. I have not played Big Trouble in Little China, but the Thing is a great board game. I don't know if you've ever played it. That that's a game I regret I I, I not picking up. And I remember seeing it had half price books. Oh, really? They had like they had two or three copies of it and i kept saying you know what i'm gonna go back and get it i'm gonna wait for that magic coupon that says 50 percent off <laughs> yeah. and i'm gonna go back and somebody else was thinking the same thing and picked up the game and now i see how much the game goes for and i'm like oh i didn't even know that yeah 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 that because they're limited edition the, the price has definitely gone up and because someone was limited. mad at me on a video i opened this because i had it sealed I opened it on video and I was like, let's see what this looks like. And they're like, don't open it. Don't open it. But I mean, I do, I do intend to play it at some point. So. Yeah. Yeah. When, when we were kids, uh, TSR made the escape from New York game. Oh, really? We, I don't remember it, that. Yeah. We had that one. And uh-huh. I don't know if we were playing the game right, but it felt <laughs> right the way we were playing it. You had to get the tape. You had to get the president and you had to get him out of New York and you roll it. It's, you know, rolling the dice and yeah. you're doing all that kind of stuff. But uh, it's uh, it was pretty cool. I mean, uh, I don't know if my brothers still have the game. One of them might have, you know, the remnants of the game. But, uh, I, I mean, I remember when we, we saw it at the hobby store and it was – we just looked up on the wall and it said – Escape from New York, and we're like, "Oh yeah, we got to get this thing." <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. awesome. If I would have ever seen it, I definitely would have got it. Yeah. Uh, the the thing board game, uh, we played it uh, actually at uh, Dallas, uh, Texas, a uh, Frightmare, and uh, it's a really cool game because uh, one of you or more of you, possibly one of you, is the thing, but only you know that. And then as the game progresses, more people can become the thing. And so it really actually builds like suspense in the game and paranoia, like if you're fellow players of the thing. And then like uh, it encourages you to like kind of lie in the game because if you are the thing, you try to sabotage everybody. Oh, wow. And, and you can actually kill the other players. So we were playing it and, and uh, me, it was me, Jason, um, his friend uh, Jeff and Rita. And we all thought Rita was the thing for some reason. So we all voted to burn her alive with the, with the flamethrower. <laughs> and then it turned out she wasn't. And like, even though this was like years ago and it's just a game, I like feel guilty. Cause it's like, we burned her. We burnt this woman alive in a game with uh, with the flamethrower. And she wow. was totally fine. She's just a human, but it's, it's a pretty wild game. It's really well thought out. We did open up. We have the monster serial game. Uh-huh. We attempted to play with my friend Solomon, and I think Solomon got <laughs> just got frustrated with us because we were taking too long to figure out. Okay, uh, yeah, I, I haven't. I actually haven't opened that one yet either. But so, but, but I like that it's uh, it's not even just the the like the three main cereal people that everyone know. It's uh, they also have the fruit brood and the yummy mummy. Yep. yep. <laughs> Which That's I know they were I, released not too long ago, but yeah. Yeah, they, they were uh, a couple of years ago. I did remember seeing those pop up at the store, and I was surprised that they, they brought those two out. Usually they kind of just, you know, throw those guys away or whatever, yeah. but uh, it was it was cool seeing those guys uh, back on the store shelves there for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I said it, if I was a kid and these games come out, but I assume probably the people making these games now 
are my age or our, you know, our age. So it's like, Hey, I grew up watching these things and I, there's the, it would have been awesome if there's a board game for him. Let's make them now. They probably make board games for adults now because kids are, don't care about board games. They want to play video <laughs> games. Or... Yeah, yeah. We used to do game night. We used to do uh, a game night uh, with the boys or with the kids. And uh, I guess, I don't know why we stopped. We should do it again. Um, I don't know. There's not Did enough time to do everything. Draws? I know how it goes. So. Yeah, yeah, we have the Draws game. We have D&D. Um, we have, Twin Peaks? Uh, huh? Did you say Twin Peaks? D&D. Dun- oh, D&D. Dun- oh, yeah, yeah. I grew up playing a big, uh, big D&D fan. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Robin Iron Man. So. I am as two, apparently, but yeah. Probably everyone <laughs> watching this is, so it's all good. <laughs> so uh, where can people follow uh, South Texas Underground Film Festival if they want more information? Oh, okay. We, you can go to the Facebook. You look up South Texas Underground Film, and you got it there. And if you want, you, we also are on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, Film Freeway. And just type South Texas Underground Film Festival, or uh, usually it's the name of whatever those entities are, and S-T-U-F-T-X. And that usually takes you to, you know, most of those uh, places where um, we're still accepting uh, submissions uh, are, are still being accepted for the film festival. Um, there's uh, some promotions that are going to go out since it's summer. We usually like to throw those, you know, s- you know, specials and, and all that kind of stuff. Those, those will be popping up on our website. Um, actually, like the Facebook, we like to throw them out on there and, and you'll see them occasionally on Instagram. And uh, there will be some codes in there that uh, anybody can enter. But, uh, but please uh, uh, follow, follow our, our page on Facebook. Uh, we're always um, turning people on to uh, what filmmakers are doing, films that uh, we've screened before in the past that are uh, becoming available for people to view. And, um, you know, if you just want to be in touch of, you know, the whole South Texas Underground Film family, that's the best place. Uh, all the fun stuff happens there and all the uh, uh, the easiest ways to see some of the past films is, is through following us as well. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I had a great time at stuff. It really uh, is one of my, maybe my favorite uh, convention I've been to. Uh, the convention itself and uh, the people who put it on are, are fantastic people and even showed me some good barbecue and uh and some good tacos and good food. Oh. By the way, I don't know if it, it might be hard to see on here, but I know I see it. On the, on it's the awesome. Yeah. Uh, I thank you again, uh, Neil, um, for allowing us to be part of uh, Severed Limbs and, and showing, you know, some of that artistic side of, of the, of some of the work that we've been able to do. And um, it's a project that it, uh, we, we, we spent quite, quite some time on and I'm glad that, uh, you know, people were able to check that out and hopefully uh, we'll be able to screen it some other places. And then, you know, there'll be some other places that we can uh, uh, let them see the uh, craziness of El Indio de Cthulhu and, and all the craziness that goes on in uh, Cthulhu, Texas, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. And uh, everyone that I know you saw it really dug it. So it'd be great if, you know, it got there to more people. 
and I, and Kornstein is out there as well. For, and uh, as Robert said, uh, go and check it out now because uh, we're not sure how long it will be uh, out there. Yeah, yeah. There's there's just uh, follow follow uh, Brian uh, Brian's uh, page on Facebook and and all that because there are more announcements will be coming out pretty soon and and all the filmmakers involved will will definitely get the word out of where where Kornstein is going to go and what what's going to happen with the future of this this monster that we've all created uh, will will run its uh, run its course across the world see what happens very cool all right well it was very good to talk to you both Mariella and Robert and see you both oh, oh yeah yeah. And I'm glad Mary Ellie got everything working. So next time we do this, it'll be seamless. Yes. It probably still won't be, but it'll be some, it'll be uh, quicker probably. I don't know. But uh, so thanks everybody for watching and uh, we'll talk soon. And I was right. a little guilty about this to save this. I just have to hang up. So I'm going to hang up on you, but it's just because no. I have to save this. So. Yeah. You got the master switch, brother. All right. See you guys. All right. Take it easy. Bye. Bye. I'm not